It's the last program of the season, I, and I am torn as to what to leave you with. I want to be hopeful, but right now, all I can think of is the issue of gender identity. There is great confusion about the meaning of gender and sexuality. I sometimes feel that we are in the midst of a new wave of Gnosticism, that's the heresy that separated the body from the soul, where we get our spirit good, body bad theology. That's not what the Catholic Church teaches. We now have a separation of gender and sexuality. It's the new frontier for relativism. What is gender? Well, whatever we want it to be. But eliminating gender is completely counter to God because God created us male and female in His image. In His image, male and female. Our gender and our sexuality give glory to God. It's a good thing. And like with every sacrament, the interior invisible reality reflects the exterior visible reality. It's a God thing. And while I truly believe that the best way to counter all heretical arguments is to arm ourselves with facts and information so we can have intelligent, normal, and loving conversations, today I want to tell you that the only way out of this is to proclaim Jesus Christ. That's how St. Paul won over the Corinthians and the Galatians and the Ephesians, the Thessalonians and the Philippians. That's how he won over the Romans. That's how the Roman Empire fell. This summer, proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ and give glory to God. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I am Billy Chan. And we're once again, uh, for those of you that are listening to the program on, on the weekend, we are live on Facebook here on Wednesday, June 28th. Um, uh, and I, we have a very uh, uh, special announcement to make because uh, this program is now airing on KHRM 94.1 FM. That's Anchorage's Catholic radio station. So hello, Alaska. Hi, um, Alaska. Hello, Anchorage. And uh, very soon we're going to be airing on a new Catholic radio network in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, Carolina Catholic Radio. That's uh, CCRN 1490 AM in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's the whole diocese, archdiocese, I'm not sure, of, of Charlotte in North Carolina. So hello, North Carolina. You, we're not there yet, but we will be. Um, <laughs> um, and I guess uh, if you're tuning in right now, you're watching this on Facebook, you're not sure, this is our weekly radio program from Salt and Light in Canada, Salt and Light, the Salt and Light Hour. Um, if you want to listen to all our programs, they're all archived on our uh, website, saltandlighttv.org. Slash radio. Slash radio. <laughs> Thanks to Billy. Um, and on the show today, regular show today, um, Emily will start off with your news. So we yeah. have what are the updates that we're going to look at today? Um, well, there was a consistory this week. Which is what? What's a consistory? So basically the Pope uh, creates new cardinals. Okay. Um, ah. So there are five new ones. And uh, he also celebrated his 25th anniversary of ep his episcopal ordination. Okay, yes. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And uh, another thing as well, the general audience, because it was the last one this week. Right, before, before the summer break. Before the summer break. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. So, so we're going to get updates come. updates on that, those stories, uh, very shortly with Emily and her news. And then um, today also Mark Matthews is joining us from Hollywood. He's our Hollywood undercover missionary, and he's going to tell us what's good in Hollywood. That's in about 10 minutes. Um, and today, Billy, your segment, Church for Dummies. Yes. You, you're going to question original we sin. Are, yeah, we are not only talking about original sin, we also want to talk about 
seen yourself in five minutes in five minutes and also <laughs> if possible can we talk about confession as well i think a lot of people okay want you want to talk in five minutes you want to talk about original confession. sin sin in general and confession okay I, I, no i i, I, I am i am a dummy so and i i never can't discount off time okay so no. if you want to learn all about original <laughs> sin and why you should be going to confession um yeah baptism is a good good uh good remedy yeah. for original sin Okay, so that's with Billy. Uh, uh, Church, for, Church dummies. for Dummies. Thank you. In, in, in a little bit. And then in our second half an hour, we're going to be speaking with a woman by the name of Jessica Harris. Emily, you were great, you know, very great at, at helping me connect with Jessica. Um, she runs a website called Beggar's Daughter, um, and she describes herself as a former porn addict. Oh. And she started the website, beggarsdaughter.com, to share her story. Um, and help women and girls know that they are not alone in their struggles. So if awesome. you remember a few weeks ago, we had Matt Frad yes. on the program, and Matt uh, just p uh, published a book called The Porn Myth. And out of that conversation came this idea that, well, maybe some women also struggle. Which you with. don't really talk about a lot. No, not no. not usually. So I was, I'm surprised. I was I, surprised, too. When I heard too. about that, yeah. I was surprised because I thought, you know, women... Uh, men, I get it. Men are stimulated visually in general. In general, right. women are stimulated um, uh, emotionally. Right. So I, I don't. I mean, I'm. I don't know. I'm not a woman. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think I was. I was doing a little bit of research on this. Yeah. Um, and what I found was that uh, women who are addicted to pornography is because they actually started by. Um, you know, maybe through chat, uh, chat groups and right. stuff so like that online. Right. So it was the like relationship-oriented. Experience, right? Of um, yeah, and then and then which led to 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 other maybe visual um, yeah. yeah aspects. I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, know, I have I, no idea. It's hard to talk about something when you have right. no you know uh, reference point. I guess yeah. yes. Um, so so I was very surprised to find uh, that. I mean, I don't know what the statistic. We posted a, a poll on we have Twitter. A little bit of statistic here. Okay, so what are the stats that you found? Um, the poll we we asked a question. Um, uh, I think a few days ago about how many pornographer, how many pornography viewers are women. How many pornography okay. viewers are women? So we have um, twenty seven percent of um, uh, people saying that one in three. Uh, okay. We, um, um, probably one in three. Some of them saying that, oh, I'm sorry, I missed the... Th 31% is one in five. 31% is one in five? Yes, yes. And 23% is one in ten. Okay. And uh, for 19% is 50-50. So 50-50 so compared to men. Yes, yeah, so it's actually very in average, like 30%, you know, in, in different... But one in five... I actually is, was is surprised it, because yeah. one in five, according to Matt Frad in his book... It's one in five. I had oh. found one in three yeah, online. Yeah, one in five is what I... I actually I found, found something else that said it was about 17% of women. But I think that's a huge it is, number. It is. a lot. Yeah. One in five. I have a lot and, of girlfriends. And nearly like... <laughs> no, <that's> <laughs> <laughs> but if I think about that, wow, one in five. No, think about it. No, think about the women that are sitting in the pews at church. One in five. Think about it that way. Like, I'm, that just freaks me out. I'm scared now. Yeah, because we're not, we're not talking about... <laughs> You know, a certain group of people. This is this is based on on based all, on yeah. general population. So, yeah. but they're um, not addicted yet, right? I mean, you know, when when we talk about that, that viewers view. means they, yeah. they, they 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 want to see that. They want to watch that. Maybe it's out of curiosity. I I don't know. I'm trying to. Explain. I think that uh, no. I think that there is a t statistic, and of course we don't have that. Yes. But statistics that would say that that it's like 37 percent of women say that they view pornography. 
um, favorably? regularly. Oh. Mm. No, they view it. Right. <laughs> they view it favorably, <laughs> but they look at it uh, uh, regularly. Um, and then, yeah, the, that they regard it favorably <laughs> is another statistic. Right. You yeah, found that. Yeah, it's like that. nearly half. Of women that nearly half the women okay, think that, that think okay. that pornography is okay. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. There are women watching, and you probably have an opinion, and we want to hear from you. Um, maybe it's something you struggle with, and you want to stay tuned and listen to Jessica Harris uh, and my conversation with her that's coming up in about twenty-five minutes. Um, but we also want to hear from you because uh, you know we're we're here to help each other uh, grow. And if it's a problem, it's we need to talk about it. The first thing the devil wants is for us to not talk about it. So we need to bring it to the light. So um, that's in about 25 minutes. Um, and after that, um, I wanted to... Uh, we, we always feature an artist or an album or music. It's great that on the, this is a radio program so we can play music. And this week we're very happy because I've got an album that I just got from Spirit and Song. That's Oregon Catholic Press. And it's called... Aquaba. Aquaba is a word that I think means welcome in some language that they speak in Ghana. Um, it might be Ashanti. I'm not sure what the language is, but we're going to find out because uh, Ken Canedo, who's uh, one of the composers that worked on the album, will be here to talk to us about that um, at the end of the program. And it, it's a great initiative. Again, our, 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 our listeners, our viewers on Facebook are probably familiar with Catholic Relief Services. So... Um, uh, so Ken Canedo, who's a composer of many liturgical songs that we probably sing at church a lot, um, thanks to a partnership with Catholic Release Services, traveled to Ghana with six other singer-songwriters, most of who actually have been guests here on the Sultan Light Hour. Um, and the result is this album, this eight-track album called Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity, to raise funds for Catholic Relief Services. So if you're in Canada and you don't know what that is, that's like the equivalent of development and peace, Catholic Relief Services. So today we're featuring this album, and Ken Canedo will be here to tell us uh, about it at the end of the program. So let's start with a song, as we always do, uh, from this album. Here is Church of Justice from Aquaba. It's written by Ken Canedo, Robert Fiducia, Valdemar Jansen, Sarah Kroger, Ted Miles, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton. And singing on the track are Valdemar Jansen, Pedro Rualcava, Ben Walther, and my brother, because I shared a room with him once in a hotel, Greg Walton. Here it is, Church of Justice from Aquaba. Church of Justice, Church of Mercy, Church of welcome, open wide. Church of service, with the lowly. Love of stranger, love divine. You breathe your word and create You speak. And now all things sustain As rain and snow pour down with purpose Your promised justice God fulfill Church of justice Church of mercy Church of welcome Open wide with the lowly love of strangers of divine our lives united in communion 
That was Church of Justice from the album Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity, published by Spirit and Song. And we're going to be speaking with Ken Canedo, who helped in composing that song and also helped produce the whole album in our second half hour and in about five minutes. What's original sin? But first, here's Emily with our news. Yes. So to start, uh, the Pope, as I was mentioning, celebrated the 25th anniversary of his Episcopal ordination. Uh, And so he celebrated Mass uh, Tuesday morning in the Pauline Chapel in the Apostolic Palace with other cardinals who are in Rome. and, And they, you know gave him their best wishes and let him home how much let him know how much he was loved and respected mm-hmm, among, nice. among the Col- college of cardinals um so just um yeah great celebration i was actually kind of surprised by it i Were didn't you? know i didn't know it was coming <laughs> yeah no and I, I i i was surprised by the fact that it was the episcopal ordination right. because we celebrate the priestly ordination right. so i guess well his priestly ordination i believe is in December and yeah. it's close to his birthday yes. or not if not on the yeah, same day I, as his I birthday know, so yeah. yeah anyway good we can celebrate both yes exactly okay um, so another thing that happened this past week um, the Pope created five new cardinals at the Vatican so a small number um, you know before the Pope has created cardinals in, in very large numbers but yeah. this time five and four out of the five cardinals are from countries who have never had a cardinal before. Yes. Um, So they come from uh, Mali, uh, Spain, uh, Switzerland, uh, Laos, and Salvador. Uh So um, in his homily as well, he just, uh, he mentioned the uh, uh, gospel passage from St. Mark saying that Jesus walked before them towards Jerusalem and so he was telling them that between Jesus and his disciples um, there's distance between uh, both of their hearts. They don't quite understand what is actually going to happen, what it is that Mm -hmm. Jesus is doing and uh, but Jesus is patient the Pope said and and that he he is preparing the way before them and for basically the reality of the cross that they will also have to take up Um, and so he told the cardinals um, 
that Jesus walks before them and uh, to look at reality and to not have any other interest than the interest of the cross to serve him and um, to confront or to face the sin in the world and its effects. Yeah. So that yeah. was his mes- message to the new cardinals this week. It's always week. A, a, a reminder that, that you know, it's always the cross and martyrdom and that's why cardinals wear red. Yeah. Because well, it symbolizes the blood of the martyrs. Yes. Yeah, they're going to be martyred. Ooh. I know, I know. That's kind of an intense... Yeah, it is you intense, don't, but yeah. yeah. But um, speaking of martyrdom, it's mm-hmm. interesting that you bring that up. Uh, at his general audience on Wednesday, it is something that he mentioned in his catechesis. Uh-huh. So is he still speaking on hope? Still speaking on hope. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that in August, when the general audience starts up again, it might be a different theme. Uh, yeah, we'll at see. Least, at least we're hoping it'll be a different <laughs> theme. <laughs> hope is a good theme. Yeah, it is a good theme. Um so uh, he mentioned uh, martyrs that our Christian hope um, is something that we can uh, we can find inspiration in the martyrs in the way that they live their Christian hope yeah. in face of struggle in the midst of of difficulties and um, you know and and the fact that Jesus said that uh, that we would encounter um, opposition and hostility in the world yeah. and um, and yet he still asked his disciples to proclaim the gospel to live a life detached from wealth mm-hmm. and um, to reject hatred and violence and to trust um, to trust in in him essentially and so um, yeah and the martyrs are some of our best examples really yeah. of of complete trust and in Jesus. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, finally, in Canada. Yes. Um, so, as we all know, we're celebrating Canada's 150th. Yes. And uh, all of the dioceses in Canada, or I think nearly all the dioceses yeah. in Canada, are consecrating their diocese to the Immaculate Heart of I love Mary. That. Yes. Right? Isn't that beautiful? Yes, it is. So, um, this is not the only time that this is going to happen. In September, mm-hmm. um, all of the bishops in Canada will be together, will be consecrating the whole country Beautiful. of Canada um, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And this is something that happened uh, twice before. I think the first time it happened was in 1947 during a Marian Congress in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the yes. largest religious gatherings in North America. Yes. And the last time it happened, it was only a few years after that, it was in 1954, and uh, it was during the Marian year, so the holy, a holy year, um, and it happened at Our Lady of the Cape in Trois-Rivières, which is yes. a Marian sanctuary yes. in Trois-Rivières. So. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's a big shrine in Canada. So okay, so yeah. that's great. So, And we will probably in September be covering that. Yes. So people can watch that consecration uh, or at least the coverage of that consecration here uh, through Salt and Light. Thank you, Emily. Emily Callan, our news producer. You can be sure to watch her every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on her show Vatican Connections. And also you can watch that show on demand at saltandlighttv.org. And also on Roku. And you can follow her at Emmy Callan. I'm Valimar Jansen, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. If you want to contact us, email radio at saltandlighttv.org, or you can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM, or you can also leave a direct voice message right off our webpage, uh, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for... Test for Dummies. With Billy Chan. Thank you. I didn't laugh. <laughs> I didn't laugh. Because you don't find that interesting anymore, No, right? I didn't laugh because <laughs> it's a very serious topic today. Yes, very serious, and I like, I love this topic. 
sin. Sin. You because like sin. I like the topic because of our goal as a Catholic is to be holy, right? Okay. Yeah. So if we know what can make us holy, is no sin make us holy, yeah, right? True. It's true. So that that that's the best topic. It is the best topic, and it's very good that you said that because ultimately. That's what sin is. Sin is what breaks the relationship with God. And holiness, I mean, perfect holiness is being with God. So anything that breaks that relationship is sin. Oh. That's how I would define very generally sin. So there's a lot of terms in Catholic. You know, as a dummy, it's very tough to understand. To keep track of what's what. So original sin, we talk about a little bit. We mentioned original sin. Okay. But what exactly is? Okay, so I think that this is very important. So original sin is different than what we call personal sin. So it's not personal. No, original sin is not personal sin. And original sin is actually, I would go as far as saying that original sin is actually not a specific sin. Original sin is a condition. You know, we talk about Uh our fallen nature. Uh So when we talk about the the original sin that Adam and Eve committed, because they uh, did not trust God, let's say, um, their behavior caused this current human condition that we live in now. That current condition of fallen nature that we have a tendency to personal sin is what the church refers to as original sin. That was totally very complicated. (laughs) Okay, so hold on a second. So original sin, let me say it differently. Original sin is the sin that caused our current human condition when Adam and Eve chose to ignore God's request not to eat from the tree of knowledge of of goodness and evil in Genesis 3, right? So that's when death entered the world. But then how baptism can remove Original okay. sin. Then. So hold on a second. So before okay. before that original sin, yeah. before Genesis three, Adam and Eve were in communion with God. Uh-huh. Right? They were in a state of They can ori- talk with God, they can they were in together. a state of original holiness and justice, a state of original grace. Mm. So that was there. After original sin, after the fall, then they don't have access to that original justice and grace until Jesus Christ comes to save us. Um, redemption and and with with Jesus Christ now we have access to um, original to that ori- to that state of original holiness and and justice. So human beings are born because of Adam and Eve uh, because of original sin. Uh-huh. We, we are born deprived from original holiness and justice. That's in the Catechism. That's original sin. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what baptism does is that baptism, you know, people say that we're clean from that stain of original sin. Baptism, what it does is that baptism restores our access to holiness and justice. Oh. That's what baptism does. So, but the difference with personal sin is that original sin also has consequences. And we talked about that last time. So the consequence of original sin is that human nature is wounded. Um, and, and, and so it's not completely corrupted, but it's subject to suffering and to death so that's why we have a tendency to sin which is very strong um, and I mentioned last week that that's what the church calls concupiscence um, so at baptism we're cleaned in quotes of original sin so that means that we are um, that we're restored our access to holiness and grace is restored but baptism doesn't take away the tendency towards sin or it only restores our ability to have access to holiness and justice does that make sense? That actually makes sense. I, okay. I, I, I really like when you explain, um, you know, baptism is 
changing actually uh, you know bring us to closer to holiness and just it is it is and it actually is a change because every sacrament uh, points to a mystery like something metaphysical that happens and in the case of baptism is that the person now belongs to Christ but also that the person is washed clean mm. from original sin so we don't we don't have that uh, we now have access to the redeeming uh, uh, salvation that Jesus Christ brings. That's great. That's okay? great. There yeah. we go. So, so um, I'm sure that we can talk about sin lots more if you uh, if you want uh, another time. But for now, that's it for Church for Dummies. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank Billy. You. Billy Chan. He's uh, our webmaster here at Salt and Light TV, and you can follow him at B Joe Chan. Hi, this is Ben Walter. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, you can go to saltandlighttv.org radio. All our programs are archived there. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark? Hello, Pedro. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. Yes, and today you're going to talk to us about a topic that is dear to your male heart. <laughs> That's right. You're dear to my very manly heart. Your masculine heart. Yes, masculinity. I love talking about masculinity. Really? It'd be great to close out the year with a bit of a talk about it. So. Okay, so, so, so let me start with a question then, because I think we think we know what masculinity is, but what is masculinity? Very good question. Well, I think the first the first thing which we kind of all know is that the world doesn't believe that there is such a thing as masculinity and even femininity. Okay. But the Catholic viewpoint is that there are differences between men and women, and that these are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything that's good can become twisted. But that's what I would call false masculinity. So, so. That, that's the first thing, and, and that is the Catholic view, you know, that men and women are different, and that's okay, and that's good. Mm. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to talk break down masculinity into a few main themes, I would probably break it down into, say, cattle wrestling, <laughs> beard greasing, axe shaving, and uh, the final category of bear wrestling. And, so. and eating raw meat. And eating raw meat, yes, 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 yes. And, and and creating a fire with your bare hands. Yes, <laughs> yes. Our... No, 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 no. For for real. Um, the first thing that I would point out is I would say incarnation. Um, and you know, so we have a great Catholic tradition of contemplation of a God who is infinite. He chose a particular point in time and history to visit us. Mm-hmm. You know, he chose Bethlehem. He chose two thousand years ago. Um, and all the great thinkers of the church have meditated, you know, on this. You know, it's it's a very deep mystery, but there is something. There's a there's a valuable lesson there for us, and that is uh, that as men, we are called to incarnate, to take our actions, take our thoughts and feelings, and put them into concrete form. Give them a time and a place. Hmm. Um, and it, what's kind of funny is is L.A. is sort of very much the town of not that, you know? You kind of, people people always said, hey, oh yeah, great, we should get together sometime. And I'm always kind of like, okay, sure, how about next Tuesday at 6 p.m.? You know, and the look on people's faces is like, oh, uh, well, I, I didn't mean really get together. And <laughs> I, none of my friends would do that, but you, you yes, kind of get, I get the it, feel yeah. of like, you know, just, oh, just talk, lots of big talk. 
So, you know, as men, um, we need to let our yes mean yes, and our no means no. Um, but in particular, you know, like, kind of like, hey, if you like a girl, you know, pick a time and a place, ask her out, make plans, mm-hmm. make things happen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very important. Mm-hmm. So the next aspect of masculinity, would that be as protector? Um, men, you know, we're called to protect those who cannot protect themselves. So that, you know, obviously things mean like, you know, our spouse and children, but also even our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in, in the community at large. Right. And so people, it's kind of like, okay, well, great, Mark, you know, like, I know I'm not going to get to live like Braveheart, you know, and protect his homeland and people. It's true. We don't get many opportunities to physically protect, but emotional protection is very important. Uh-huh. Uh, even think of, uh, you know, every guy knows when a woman is in a toxic relationship. You know, ask you, ask them, you know, like, how are you doing? How can I be praying for you? Hmm. Um, and the most important thing there is that we're asking out of pure intention. Right. And, and people will sense that. Um, another theme of masculinity is mentor. Uh, and that is to humbly teach and guide. So that might be something, say, as practical as like teaching a younger man a new skill, but it also could be, say, seeing interpersonal trouble and, and giving them guidance, you know? And you're, you're essentially answering the question of like, what knowledge or skill is going to help this person the most? Uh, and you have to do this, you know, again, in tenderness and love with pure intentions. Um, and also, uh, this is also the bestowing of masculine identity. Um, it needs to be transmitted from man to man. You know, mothers can hmm. kind of bestow masculinity the same way that, you know, other men can. Right. So, so you know, and, and you know, there have been traditions for that kind of thing in, in other cultures. Um, and, you know, we need to find ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. And then the, the last thing I would point out, or not, not, not quite the last, but um, with a lot of these, um, there's, you're doing these things sometimes without being asked, uh, and that is you have confidence. You don't need permission to do these things. And why? Because we know that God is our Father. Hmm. We have the confidence in truth, you know, to do these things. So, you know, people aren't asking for our protection. Oh, we protect them anyway. You know, uh, people aren't asking us to mentor them. Oh, well, we mentor them anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, people aren't, aren't always asking us to do and incarnate you know, new things, but hey, we're doing it anyway. Right. Yeah. And then, and then the last one is, you know, and I've talked about this before, so I won't talk about it too much, and that is simply purity. We are called to fully possess our sexuality, and, and that's the great, you know, Christian tradition of chastity and purity. Um, and the thing that I would point out here is that, you know, women can really sense uh, quite intuitively when a man's yes. motivations are incorrect yes. or, or wrong. And so quite often that just means getting things straight in our own heart, you know, mm-hmm. and and people around us will pick that up, and women appreciate it in a very deep way. They're very intuitive. Mm-hmm. So So purity, confidence, mentorship, protection, and incarnation. That's great. Those are what I would call kind of some of the, the main themes of, of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And add in some, you know, axe shaving and bear wrestling in there as well, too. Yeah. And and this is, I think, really helpful. Um, uh, if we had twice the amount of time, I would uh, ask you whether these five 
uh, qualities, I guess, also sure. apply to women because I think that that's one of the arguments that you always get is like, well, women can be protectors or women can be mentors. Ah, uh, true. Right? Um, yeah. And and maybe and that's something that we can uh, look at in more more detail a- another a- time. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And, the, and, and these are not cut and dry, hard and fast, you know. They're just sort of general trends. You mm-hmm. know, there's no reason that a woman couldn't have any of these characteristics as well, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, a very fascinating topic that I will pick up with you, my friend, in the fall when we get back. Fabulous. How do we do that? One of my favorite topics. Excellent. So thank you very much. Have a great summer. Um, enjoy hot L.A. It's it's getting hot here. It was up to 40 degrees Celsius. Beautiful. Day, so. Beautiful, yeah. Okay, good. There you have it. Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary with what's good in masculine Hollywood. Yeah, masculinity. You can follow him at H.U. Missionary. Coming up in our second half hour, women and pornography and a featured chat with Ken Canedo about Aquaba, songs of peace and solidarity. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. A few weeks ago, we spoke with Matt Frad, who just published a book titled The Porn Myth. That was a very popular program, and we received questions about the issue of women and pornography, which we had touched briefly with Matt Frad, but not really in depth. And so we thought we would dedicate a bit more time to this topic. Joining us now is Jessica Harris, whose blog is titled Beggar's Daughter. In it, she writes about pornography, about sex, about singleness, sexual exploitation, and grace. Now, Jessica describes herself as a former porn addict, and she started the website, beggarsdaughter.com, to share her story and help women and girls know that they are not alone in their struggles. So I'm very happy to welcome Jessica to to this program. Uh, Jessica, thank you for what you do um, and for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So, um, a little curious, I mean, I just explained why you started the website, but you actually started writing a book. Tell me how that turned out into an actual website. Well, right. So, I had wanted to start the book originally. I wanted to do just the book. And for me, it was, um, I felt like God wanted me to share my story. And I thought, okay, I'll write a book, and then I can get that out there, and then I can go on with my life. Because I had no interest, really, in being known as the girl who's the expert on this. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I thought, I'll write a book, and then I can go and do what I want. But it turns out that it's not quite that easy to get a book published. Right. So then I said, fine, I won't write a book. I will just do a website. I will just share my story on a website, and then I will go on with my life. Okay. Um, and then the website turned into a blog, and then the blog kind of turned into the Turned to the website. Now, and obviously you were wanting to write a book because there was a story there that you had to tell. Your own story. Right. There's this, right, my story, and just the fact that no one really was talking about this issue of women struggling with pornography. Yeah. And I really just felt like we needed to at least start having this conversation, and if I could somehow get my story into that and help start the conversation, then I wanted to do that. Yeah, of course. Now, you say that you were exposed to pornography at age 13, is that correct? Yes, I was exposed at 13 years old. And was that accidental? How did that happen? That was, I was researching for a school. It was back in 1999, the age of dial-up internet. Yeah. But I was researching for a school, and there was a, a website that was just full of videos, and 
They were completely innocent videos. They were educational, scientific videos, but in the middle of all those videos was a pornography video. Really? And so I clicked on that, yep, right there, and it took me to a hardcore pornography website. And so just like that, I was pulled into hardcore pornography. So, and your reaction, and I know this because I've, I mean, I've read your, what you've written, so your, your, your response to this was, you said that you were disgusted, but there was, but, I mean, you kept, you were curious, is that, so what happened next? Right, it, it's a little bit of maybe like watching a train wreck almost, where you, you feel like, I need to look away, but at the same time you're like, but this is, what is this? Like, I have to see what happens next, or I have to see what's going on. Right. So, I clicked on the video and clicked to go out of the video and it was one of those kinds of screens that just pulls you into the site. It was right. like a viral screen yeah. in a way and it just kind of sucked you into the site. And then the site was filled with with ads and with videos and all sorts of things all on the main page. And then there was a chat room there. So then it was kind of, oh, I'll just poke around and see what's here. Maybe not watch anything like that again because that was kind of too much. But yeah. maybe this genre isn't as bad, or here's a chat room, let me go in there and see what's going on in there. Like, what is this world that I've just found? It was, it was a curiosity of, wow, what did, I just, what did I just stumble upon? And at what point did it change from curiosity to something that, was, that you felt was just out of control? I noticed that it was out of control my senior year of high school when I, I'm a, I was a straight-A student in high school. I had no problem getting good grades. Mm-hmm. But as a senior in high school, my grades actually started to be harder to keep. I was still getting the perfect scores, but they were a struggle. And I realized that it's because I was spending hours watching pornography. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll just cut it back. And when I tried to cut it back, I couldn't. And that's when I realized I am in trouble. This is out of control. I can't. I can't stop. So can I? Can I try to? Because I'm. And I and this is part of the reason why we're having this conversation because I think I understand why men are stimulated visually by this. But we, what was what was what was keeping you hours watching this stuff? What were you looking? Yeah, no, I think that the the men are visual thing. I I understand where that argument is coming from. Yeah. Um, but women are also we also have a visual aspect as well. Yes. So I think that um, our bodies also can be trained to respond to certain stimuli. So I right. think that over the years of exposure, I had almost conditioned my body to the point where this is this is how it works. And for me, it was an escape. It was how I coped with life. Right. It was it was just that's what I did. And, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. Partly because you day. were exposed. Partly because you were exposed uh, so young that your you know your brain is still developing. Um, y- you also t- talk about the fact that you got to the point where you actually thought that the only future for you was to be an adult porn star or an adult Correct. entertainer. How I don't. Where's the connection there? How did you go from I struggle with this and it's a problem to this is what I want to do for a living or this is what I have to do for a living. Right. So senior in high school, I was, again, completely looking back, addicted to this, really struggling to find someone I could tell and find a place to find help. Couldn't find anybody or didn't feel safe anywhere. So I went off to college, Christian college, thinking, okay, I'll get caught here and they'll be able to help me. Mm -hmm. When I did get caught, Instead of helping me, they said, we know this wasn't you. Women just don't have this problem. Right. So for me, it made me step back and say, then what on earth am I? If women 
don't have this problem, what does that make me? And I wrestled with understanding my identity, understanding my sexuality, and in that realized that if I wanted to still be a woman Mm -hmm. and have this problem that the only women in the world who I thought had enjoyed this were the women who were actually in it. And I thought there's no way I can have the future I wanted, no way I can have yeah. You know, the only way I can deal with this is just to join it. Right. We know that you did find help and that you're now in a, in a better place. Um, in, in, in the course of all this, you've discovered that this is more common than we think, correct? So how, how big is this problem among women? I think that this problem is even bigger than, than maybe I suspect. When I walk into a place to speak, Depending on the age of the audience, I assume at least 50% of the women in the wow. audience, Christian or not, um, watch pornography, 50. Hmm. And in the culture, mainstream culture now, you're seeing where it's probably more than that, probably closer to 75 to 80, maybe 90% of women in mainstream culture, non-Christian, non-faith-based really? culture are watching pornography. But also as you go younger within Christian circles or within the church, You've got a hundred percent of girls who are watching this, so this is this is bigger than we're than we're understanding. Yeah, much bigger than the one in five that we were quoting uh, earlier. Um, so, uh, but there is hope. So, uh, in the little time that we have left, you you are very big on letting people that they need to talk about this. That you know, the evil one just wants to, to keep it quiet. So we need to talk about it. Where can people find help if they're struggling with this? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, silence just perpetuates shame, and then shame perpetuates silence, and it just isolates you. Yes. So really, I encourage um, young women, really, more and more as the, as the years go by, to even just tell a friend. You would be surprised how many girls come to me and say, I'm so afraid to tell anybody, and then when I said something, there were five of my friends that were the same way. Yeah. So really just finding a, a friend that you can, that you trust, to at least open up that conversation. Because I think when you first have that moment where you tell somebody, and in that moment they can exercise grace mm-hmm. and help you understand that, you know, this does not change who you are. This is not, you, you're not going to get labeled because of this, but that they're going to help you and they're going to work through this with you. Right. Once you can get through that first hurdle of, of telling somebody, it's like the chains start to fall off, even just then, where it right. starts to lose its hold because you're not in silence anymore, and there's not the shame anymore, there's not that fear. Yeah. You've you've broken through that. So just starting with your circle of friends, or you know, if you are close with your pastor's wife, or close with somebody in your church, telling them, or if you're at college, telling somebody on your dean staff. This, mm-hmm. is, this is prevalent enough that I think we're falling away from the idea that women don't do this anymore. Right. Um, this is prevalent enough that I think if a woman comes forward and says, hey, I have this problem, that someone's going to say, we figured somebody here did, you know, and you'll be able to move forward with that. I think a lot of the shame and the stigma is breaking down now. So yeah. just find somebody in your circle. Absolutely. That's good advice. And then I would add and go check out Jessica's website, beggarsdaughter.com, because there's... Uh, lots of information there and lots of stories and lots of good resources. Um, I wish we had more time, Jessica, but this is, uh, I think, an important topic. And maybe uh, as uh, we get responses, we can maybe revisit it at another time. So thank you for what you do and for not being afraid to tell your story. Thank you for having me on today. 
Jessica Harris is a blogger and author. You can find her writing uh, for many websites, and you, but you can purchase her book, Beggar's Daughter, and her other books, and read all her articles and blog posts at her website, beggarsdaughter.com. Here now from our featured album of the week, Aquaba, is an arrangement of a song that many of you will recognize, The Cry of the Poor, featuring Valdemar Jansen, Pedro Rualcaba, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton. And The Cry of the Poor is written by John Foley, and the Spanish translation is by Ronald Krinsman. Al Señor yo bendigo por siempre, su alabanza está siempre en mi boca. Se gloria mi alma en el Señor, Él escucha del pobre el clamor. Escucha el Señor del pobre el clamor, bendito sea Dios. The Lord hears the cry of the poor, blessed be the Lord. Oh, let the Lord. abatidos salva a Dios Él redime las vidas de sus siervos y los libra de todas sus angustias Él escucha del Proclamamos your praise ever in our mouth. Siempre en nuestra boca. Every face brightened in your light. Brilla por tu luz. For you hear the cry of the Chats. 
That was an arrangement of John Foley's The Cry of the Poor from our featured album this week, Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity. Many of you are familiar with Catholic Relief Services. Uh, One of the things that they do to foster solidarity is to take artists on mission trips. And one of these trips included seven composers with Spirit and Song, Ken Canedo, Robert Fiducia, Sarah Kroger, Valimar Jansen, Pedro Rualcava, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton. And they all went to Ghana praying and singing with people in their communities and listening to their stories. And this experience inspired an album of the songs that we've been listening to, songs about social justice and the social justice teaching of the Catholic Church. And the album, as I've been mentioning all throughout the show, is called Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity. And to tell us more, I am now joined by co-collaborator, co-producer, co-composer, Ken Canedo. Ken, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Well, thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's so wonderful to be here with you again. Again, yeah. So we spent, I've spent the, 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 the most of this program saying aquaba, aquaba, and people don't know what it means. I haven't told them what it means. So what does aquaba mean, and why is it called that? <laughs> aquaba is the, um, the word in Ghana that basically means welcome. You are welcome. Uh-huh. And there, there are many, many languages that are spoken Aquaba, but this is the language of one of the main tribes. Right. And uh, basically, when we got off the plane in Accra, the capital of, of Ghana, oh, Ghana, that's what we were greeted with. People uh, in the, at the airport would say Aquaba. When we drive around the city, we see billboards that say Aquaba. So it's that kind of magical word, word of welcome that I love epitomized. It our hospitality there, yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the trip. There's there's seven or eight of you, and I actually know most of you, and you go on this trip. What What's the, you were there for a week, you were visiting different towns. What's sort of, what's the, the schedule of the week? Well, it was a 10-day trip, uh-huh. and actually so our you, delegation yeah. was different because we are musicians, so we were singing everywhere we went. Right. So you were going it to parishes cool. or schools, communities, so you, wherever you went, you had a little concert? Um, we visited out in the rural villages up north in a, in a district they called Tamale. It's it's spelled like Tamale, but it's it's pronounced Tamale. Right. And and these are people who are still living in the 19th century mm-hmm. in grass covered huts, and it was really amazing to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And they are aware of the modern world, but they. For whatever reason, poverty or other factors, they are still living as if they are, you know, always have in the 19th century. And so uh, they were pleased to receive us. They sang for us. Yeah, I can imagine. Hospitality. Yeah. They sang and danced for us with their drumming, and then we sang for them. And even though we couldn't speak their language and they couldn't speak English, we did speak the universal language of music. Hmm. And that was beautiful. Now, did you go into the trip thinking that you would be writing music or that an album would come out, or is that something that happened either throughout or, uh, or, or afterwards? It was spontaneous. Um, we were hoping we'd be inspired because part of the reason why CRS hosted us was so that we could tell their story. Mm-hmm. And the only way to tell their story was to become a part of the story, to see, to meet the people where they're at, to listen to them. Uh, right. To, to dance and sing with them, and uh, we learned a lot. And yes, that inspired us to write the songs on this album, mm-hmm. Two of the songs we wrote while we were there. Oh, yeah? Are the, so- the song Aquaba itself, 
and the song called Church of Justice. We sang while yeah. we were there. The other songs um, were composed when we came home by the individual artists. So, right. uh, but two of them we composed as a group while we were there, yes. Oh, good, because we heard Church of Justice at the beginning of the program, and we're going to end with Aquaba. Um, so... So tell me a little bit about, so that collaboration, I think is the first time that I credit songs and I have to credit like seven people who who <laughs> wrote it and then some of those also sang in it. Um, um, how does that work when you're in the middle of a mission trip and you guys are all just sharing ideas at night uh, with a guitar? How does that work? Well, um, one of the things that... Um, was characteristic of each day was that uh, we celebrated each day within the context of prayer. We began mm-hmm. each day with morning prayer. We prayed during meals, and we closed the day with prayer and reflection. And so at the end of uh, a very joyful, festive day uh, with one of the tribes where we learned about uh, the CRS, uh, the work that CRS is doing with them mm-hmm. in empowerment, we sat down in a hostel, a youth hostel where we were staying. Okay. And there's a nice living room. So we pulled out our guitars. Yeah. And before the day started, I said, you guys, I want you to think about favorite scriptures as we experience okay. the people here. Think about your favorite scripture. And then we got back together that evening and we started joyfully reflecting on what we experienced. And Ben Walker pulled out his guitar. He started strumming and we were all saying, oh, yeah, yeah, keep, keep playing that. And so then Valamar would come up with an idea from Scripture. Right. And then uh, Sarah would start singing it. And then people sometimes would get stuck. And I'd say, I would say, repeat that phrase, repeat right, that phrase. Right. And so it was really a lot of give and take. It was very exciting for us to see the spirit at work in a collaboration like that because we never composed a song with so many people before. Yeah, what a great, what a great opportunity! Uh, I love it because it's I love collaboration and to have all of you coming together, participating in this trip, and then and then writing music together and and performing it together. I think it's super. Um, so thank you, Ken, for speaking with us today and for the work that you do. Well, it's my great pleasure. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you. That was Ken Canedo. He's one of seven composers who traveled to Ghana with Catholic Relief Services and collaborated on this album, Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity. You can purchase the album through Spirit and Song at ocp.org, and a portion of the proceeds from the sale of the album will will support the work of Catholic Relief Services, so go and get it. Here now is the title track of Aquaba, Welcome, written by Ken Canedo, Valimar Jansen, Sarah Kroger, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton, and singing on the track are Valimar Jansen, Pedro Rualcava, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton. Aquaba. Aquaba in the country of Ghana means welcome. Ghana, land of enchantment. People of Ghana put these songs into our hearts by their acts of hospitality, love, joy, and welcome. Come, come dance with us. Come, come sing with us. Smile with us. Aquaba.
We're listening to Aquaba, Welcome, from our featured album of the week, Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. And the end of our season mm. this year, Emily said. Yes. Remember that if you missed part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. Contact us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. And you can also find me through Facebook, Deacon Pedro, or Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And I'm on Twitter at Emmy Callen, and Billy is at Bijo Chan. So next week, we begin with some of our best of editions of the Salt and Light Hour. So if you haven't heard any of our programs or you missed anything, you can re-listen to some of our favorite interviews throughout the year. Hope you have a great summer. Yes, and happy Canada Day and Independence Absolutely. Day for our American friends. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the, the Salt, Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour. Kingdom of God.